0: and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in-store, and exclusive access to sold-out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD. And claim money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid Hi and welcome to episode 8 of 101 Part-Time Jobs, the only podcast on earth that speaks to musicians, comedians and artists exclusively about the jobs they had before they went full-time. This week we have a mega guest in the form of Paul Smith from Maximo Park. The band formed in 2000 and released their first album, A Certain Trigger, in 2005, to a pretty buzzing degree of success among indie fans across Britain and the rest of the world. Their latest record, Risk to Exist, came out last year, which is a fitting title for the show, given that, as anyone knows, working a part-time job in order to do something else that you love does feel like a risky existence. The record is great, though, and if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. I was really stoked when he said he'd be up for coming on the show, and yeah, another milestone for the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I'm Giles Bitter, and this is Paul Smith on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Signature Brew is the official beer of 101 Part-Time Jobs. Do you know what, I don't know why I said 10am on a Friday morning.
1: <laughs> oh, that's fine by me. So, it's good. I've, I've got a little daughter, so we get up to go take her to nursery, and so it early suits me actually.
0: What are you up to at the moment in terms of um, music and um, and I suppose writing wise, because because I know you from Penguin, you're doing Penguin stuff.
1: Yes, um, I've just finished uh, a DIY bedroom solo record. Which cool. these days, a bedroom solo records, uh, it sounds slightly more hi-fi than it would have done even 10 years ago um when we i I, I think well yeah my first solo thing that i did um came out in 2010 now um which was done with the same i'm just sending files to my friend who's in a band called warm digits who are really good Oh, cool! and um he's a drummer and knows how to use all of the the computer stuff which i don't so it's a kind of long distance i'll send him stuff and he'll send me send me the thing back with drums on and then I'll put guitars on. And Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've just been doing that for the last three months since we got back from a U.S. tour. Oh, I've awesome. just been finalizing that and picking up on songs that have been lying around for seven years and yeah. finishing them. So hopefully I'll have that out later this year. And um, I'm, I've just started working with Rachel Unthank from the folk band The Unthanks.
0: Okay, um, great. I haven't heard of them. I'll check them out.
1: Yeah, they're really good. They're really good. They've they've got quite a few albums out now, and they've, I guess they've got, it's it, it's a bit of a uh, broad statement, but they've got jazzier and fuller. Um, yeah, cool. The the keyboard player does um, Adrian, who's married to Rachel. Um, he does a lot more of he does all the arrangements and oh great. it's kind of yeah, very full, and they've worked with strings and brass and stuff on on the last few records. So yeah, they're really good. So I'm, I'm doing a thing for the Great Exhibition of the North, which is happening oh, cool. um, over. Yeah, it's like a three month thing that's based in Newcastle, but it's all all things northern. So there's people like I don't know, Rasheen Murphy and Nightwear, Nightmares on Wax, oh, um, Sheffield stuff. Yeah, and well, and um, Lauren Laverne is curating it, and nice. um, yeah, so she asked me to get involved and said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, I'd really like to." do something that's a bit more to do with folk music or traditional song and so we're just starting work on that at the moment which is awesome. yeah i'm writing i'm trying to write songs but also because there's so many traditional songs already out there if 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 i don't manage to write any good songs <laughs> we can always just sing just sing some of the older songs <laughs>
0: absolutely i feel like that's that's so much sort of part of the the culture of of folk is is you know redressing songs um, th- yeah, th- that it's it's not there's not nothing sinister about it, you know. As as it, no then, no, there might be something sinister about you know covering an ACD song, DC song, or a Boston song, um, but in folk, it's very much part of the world.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot of the the songs that got me into folk music, a lot of the records were um, things like Richard and Linda Thompson. Um, you know, what, Richard Thompson is writing songs, kind of very much inspired by traditional song, but it's still. It's, it's a new song. It's not a traditional song from hundreds of years ago that's been yeah. passed down. And I like that kind of hybrid where you get something that is completely new out of it.
0: Nice. Thank you very much for coming on, first of
1: all. No worries, yeah.
0: Um, the first Maximo Park record, were, were you, was that a full-time music sort of gig for you at that point? Were you doing music full-time?
1: Yeah, we'd been doing when when that came out in 2005 and yeah. we'd signed our record deal with Warp Records in the I think June or July of the of the previous year. So we'd been professional musicians for 6 months and I'd I was on the dole at the time, so I signed off and said I'm nice. um, having I've got a record deal. Um goodbye. I won't yeah. be coming back here for for at least a year or so yeah (laughs) and see how see how that goes they gave us enough money to live for a year and it it gave us the time to to make our first record and we went down to London and um tried out um a couple of songs with Paul Epworth um and in the end he ended up producing our first record and that's what we were doing in that six months so I was I was a professional musician at that point even even if it was going to be short-lived we were going to make a record yeah we'd we were going to tour it and see what happened and things worked out. But before that, um, I was a part-time art teacher and that's why I was, that's why I was on the dole because being a part-time art teacher means that in summer holidays you have no work and you're just, um, looking for things and going into the job center and saying, hi, I'm an art teacher. Is there anything, you know, can I teach some classes? What's, what's going on? Um, and there was never anything around here for sure. Um, so yeah, that was my that was my situation uh, just immediately before the band had started. Were you trained as an art teacher? Good question. No. <laughs> how did how did that come about um, then? Well, it was it was quite unusual, really. A, I mean, most things in in my life, um, in terms of career path, has, um, you know, if you can call being in a, being in a band a career, <laughs> um, it, they've been unusual, um, unusually uh, in the, in their formative m- uh, parts of, of, of the, of the situation, what, what that doesn't even make sense in the formative parts of the situation. Um, I'm trying to say that when we first started the band, um, I wasn't a singer. I was just stood next to Tom's now wife. Um, it just in a club singing along to the music. And I didn't think anybody could hear me. And they asked me to be the singer in their band, and that's obviously turned out quite well. That's fantastic. Um, In terms of me being an art teacher, I had been to art college and done a foundation course and realized that the job options were slim and I felt like I could draw and paint adequately if I wanted to pursue that, and decided to do something more academic at university. So I did art history, uh, English linguistics, and then I did a master's in uh, American cultural and social history and so the, after, after that I wasn't really qualified to do anything really <laughs> when i looking back at it thinking oh yeah I'll do something more academic and you know I didn't really want to be a linguist so uh, that left me with art history and curating and that kind of thing and just just after I'd finished my master's I just I needed money so I went into a call center and yeah. was working for it was the Nectar hotline just <laughs> when it had first when the Nectar card had first been introduced so there was lots of teething problems and I was getting it in the neck from (laughs) from all sorts of people on this phone line um which is when Maximo Park approached me so I was thinking oh my day job's awful yeah Um, I'm gonna at least do something on a night that I've never done before I don't know what singing's gonna be like it might be embarrassing but let's give it a go it's it's a bit of a laugh and so that's that's that was my situation but yeah being in the call center was absolutely mind-numbing and my friend who is a sports science teacher? he He was at this college and said there's a there's an art teacher position coming up just for, just part time somebody's on the sick. would you would you come in for an interview? Um, and you know they just want somebody who can draw and paint and they'll teach you as you go along. So teach you how to teach essentially. Um, so I <laughs> went in with my portfolio from some of the stuff that I'd done at university because I'd done drawing at university to keep my hand in. Um, as part of my combined honors course. And so I, I just took my CV and the woman said, you know, you're you, you, a great painter, which was, which was nice to hear. Um, she was saying, y- you can easily teach because you've done a master's degree. You seem mm. confident enough, blah, blah, blah. And so they, they were going to put me on a, a little teacher's training course at the same time while I was doing, doing the part-time teaching. And for some reason, that never materialised, and so I was not qualified to teach, but I was um, somehow supposed to be learning on the job, and it just didn't happen. And I, and I left before that could ever happen. <laughs> how, how long were you there at the school then? For well, this is it; they, they could get into trouble, but I was I was there <laughs> for eighteen months. <laughs> yeah, obviously, with um, you know, with holidays in between and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'd built up probably about a year's worth of or a bit more of of teaching experience. Mm. And I'd like to think that the people who were taught by me were not shortchanged. Yeah. Um, Because I was was teaching older people mostly. It was people who had done sort of uh, just leisure classes, you know, just wanted to go in and paint and had an interest in in watercolors. How old are we Uh, talking? uh, We're talking pensioners because they got the course free. So this yeah. was this was the thing. Anybody could do the course, but because it was um, often during the daytime, and there was a couple of night classes, it was people who'd retired, and they they were they got the course for free, and the, the government funded the course. Um, you however that however that worked mm. that they, they, they would you know other people could pay for the course, but it was obviously quite expensive to to have a um, you know a three hours a week. Uh, tutorship going on in the college but it was for it was a an ncfe which i had actually done when i was at, at art college I'd, I'd done the qualification myself mm. and yeah so i was teaching a lot of older people who weren't that interested in what i had to say <laughs> and you, other people thought i was you know they thought this they thought i was a nice young man who could draw really well and they were happy to watch me do a little drawing and show them what to do and then come around and, and give them the chat and to try and improve what they were doing but there was there was for example there was this guy who was a doctor um a retired doctor and I, th- I think he was just thinking who's this 23 year old guy what's it why is he teaching me is he is he qualified I think some of them were probably sus- suspecting quite <laughs> rightly that I wasn't qualified and so yeah that was that was the situation
0: did you enjoy it did you did you sort of um, get was it quite gratifying for you
1: Um, It was in, 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 for the most part, it was, um, towards the end of it, I was getting less hours and I was trying to live on a hundred pound a week. and, And rather than signing on, at least I was employed, but I was traveling back to where I used to live, um, where my friend who'd, who'd got me the opening, he still lived there back in Billingham, which is, um, about an hour away from Newcastle. And so, and I couldn't drive. So I was catching the train really early on a morning and it was a bit of a slog getting there for 10 to 9 to open things up. The, the timing with the trains meant that I had to get there super early just to even make the class. And then on an evening I was um, – I couldn't the, – the, the last train back from Stockton where I was teaching to to Newcastle was at about 10 to 9. And I finished the class at 9 o'clock on the dot. So I had to stay with my parents and uh-huh. so I, f- I felt like my entire life was um, regressing in some ways, progressing in other ways. Yeah. And the the classes were, um, as I say, if if one person has decided to make your life a little bit trickier than than it should be, it, that you know, turning up to work can be really uh, uninspiring. But the the other side of it was that some people really thought that their work was improving I thought so too Mm. and that's that's definitely something that's gratifying um I work with people on with, with special needs on Wednesdays and again it was it was something that um really made me I guess grow up a little bit you know working in this working in this environment just having having a proper job and working with people who have challenges of their own I think yeah for me it was it was definitely something that has, has built me up into whatever whatever I am. <laughs> do, do, you still, do you still paint much? I try every now and then. And it's, it's quite difficult just because, you know, with, with any job, you have to throw yourself into it to a certain extent. And mm. because my job's not really a job, it's more of a vocation. You know, it's something mm. that I would do if I, if, I, if I had a normal job, I'd still try and make music. Especially now that I've been doing it for so long, it feels like it's essential whereas before I felt like I, I really wanted to do it but mm. I, I felt like I was I should be doing something else and trying to find a good job and instead I was doing demos and trying to write songs and you know come up with lyrics yeah. so um, <laughs> yeah things um, things changed over the over the course of time and and now I feel um, comfortable. Doing what I'm, what I'm doing, but it's there's still something at the back, at the back of my mind that says, you know, you should be get a proper job. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm digressing now.
0: If there was such a thing of as, as retiring as a musician, what kind of side, th- what kind of, you know, like one of our friends' parents now makes soap, <laughs> and um, and that's an awesome little like sort of pension job to have. Have you got any ideas for something like that for yourself?
1: Well, I mean, to go back to your, your your last question, I I would like to paint and um and draw more, and I don't get to do it. Um, you know, I, I'm everything's pretty full on all the time, and I'm pretty devoted to what I do. But, mm. you know, that there it's always there in the back of my mind, and I go to galleries on on days off or before sound checks wherever we are, and you know, I like to to read about art and I like to do other things outside of music as well to keep me a little bit more balanced than just being obsessed with being in a band or yeah. whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, in an ideal world to, to, to actually have a little sideline where you paint and people buy it, that would be great in, a, in an ideal world. I'll, I'll win the lottery and just be able to paint without having anybody <laughs> have to buy it. Um, <laughs> I don't do the lottery, so I need to start.
0: <laughs> I just started doing the Euro millions and I've got pretty bad with it every Tuesday, every Friday.
1: <laughs> uh, this is the thing I get quite obsessive about things, so uh, well, it might might not be the right thing to do. Well, so
0: do so do I, and I've, I've fallen into this trap. I get two lines every time now. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't help it.